Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. I'm not even really sure what episode we're on anymore. Um, we have taken a bit of a hiatus for a while. I think this uh, wonderful thing called life has kind of gotten in the way of everyone's ability to do the show. and We've just kind of been uh, pretty spotty on, on when we can do episodes and whatnot. So, uh, you know, for, for how many episodes we have, I think taking a little break to uh, recalibrate and recenter and kind of get our, our stuff in order is, is allowed. So uh, I, I do appreciate you guys hanging in there and uh, being patient with us. But me and Zell are here tonight to entertain you with the latest uh, ongoings in the, the world of what we talk about. So, yes, we will uh, be very entertaining. Yes, it's. I mean, as entertaining as me and Zell. We've done the, the, the duo show before, so you kind of know what you're going to get. Um, but uh, he might. It's so something better. It's something's better than nothing, sort of thing. At so. this point, yes. It's like we managed to get two people online at the same time with the ability and desire to talk on a microphone together. So, uh, yeah, that's good. All right. Well, I won't waste our time with introductions because uh, Zell might get aggro later and have to bounce. So let's get on with the topic. So. Uh, Zell, you went and saw the Joker, the the new Joker movie. I did. Um, we, we all trucked out to see the Joker finally. And um, did you see the Joker movie? I have not, so I, I would actually prefer not spoilers because I I am kind of interested, but I, I am curious yeah, no, to your thoughts. That's fair. Um, it's a very strange movie. Um, I I definitely like, especially talking to certain people. Um. I can see why people were concerned that the movie could glorify violence, or at least, I, I, I don't know if I'd say glorify it, but would make someone feel like it's okay or, or justifiable. Um, because it, it is a very, you know, dark view of the world, and it shows a person who is, is pushed well beyond, you know, what any sane person can put up with. But um, it, it has a lot. It, it, I think it probably says even more about um, mental illness and, and where people fall in, in society. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's a good movie, but it's, it's depressing, you know? That's what my coworker said. Like, yeah, we went and saw it. They go, you're not going to feel good at any point in that film whatsoever. Like, it's good, but you're going to feel terrible at the end of it. And there, there are there are some funny moments. It's you know, but it's it's very much in um, that you know dark comedy vein. You know, when you're like, ah, that's terrible. Well, I mean, in that always kind of that it pushes that you know the best humor is the kind that kind of makes you a little uncomfortable when you laugh at it. Um, so I can imagine they're they're trying to kind of push that limit, which you know it, it's fitting for who the character is, and and you know it's that can you do horrible things and, and laugh at it, you know? So I, I, I can see why they would go that way. And it, it also makes sense that they'd be a little concerned about, you know, people taking it the wrong way and doing some crazy stuff. But, you know, what you're describing makes sense from a creative standpoint. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, I guess my biggest curiosity is, is, is this going to be like, this felt to me very much like, you know, someone came to DC and they're like, I want to do this little character study movie, just completely, just off the wall, just completely separate, apart, n not, you know, trying to connect to anything. And DC was like, it's not like our movies are doing great, anyways. Have at it, have fun. Um, you know, it's so. I guess my question is, is I, I, my understanding is the movie's been very successful for an R-rated movie. Um, 
will they try to do something you know or is this gonna stay you know are they gonna are they gonna successfully keep this the standalone it is what it is that it is or are they gonna go Ooh, let's do dark character stories and other characters you know or joker 2 i don't know um I mean, I guess my question would be is, you know, when you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they're they're obviously building up these big epic action films where it's like, yeah, well, it's tied together. And there's this big giant battle. and It's going to be awesome. Um, from the sounds of what you're describing, this isn't so much like they're trying to set up a character to interact with others. It's more like a character study is what you called it. So yes. like it, it, yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. The, the movie would not fit in a larger universe environment it does have you know it obviously it, it does exist in the in the dc mythos in terms of you know where things are and, and people and and stuff but it's not it, it's definitely not built to attach to anything and i don't think it would very well um but like you know movie people they make a bunch of money on something the first thing that comes oh, you know how do we how do we how do we you know repeat this so i guess the question is like that's that's why i wonder like would you make a sequel to just this movie would you do more movies like it that aren't connected but you just like pick some other villain and do like a you know because i i mean in my opinion where dc's always shined is they they do have the best villains you know yeah no i'd agree um like if there was one i could see them doing something with that would be interesting um Give me a give me a movie built around Lex Luthor. That is a character who truly believes he is the hero of the world, and in that you can you can make him the protagonist of a film. You know, that's actually a good point. I think that you're 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 going the right direction with that. It's like don't focus on trying to make, you know, the DC cinematic universe because I think Marvel's just going to kick the shit out of them. But if they if they have self-contained character studies of interesting characters and they they're not trying to connect to one another, but they use that kind of same format and how they're, how they're exploring that character. That's, that's really interesting to me because I mean, like I said, you go to DC, you're going to get the big action blockbuster. Cool. I, I enjoy that, but they don't really have that kind of deep dive into a character like, like what you're describing here. So if they had more of that, I think they would do quite well. And it's probably why people like it because it is kind of filling a niche of like, let's really focus on, why this villain does what he does rather than just he's the guy to beat because you're following the heroes during the whole time you know yeah so um i'm i'm curious to see what they'll uh, what they'll do with it um and uh yeah go see it it's interesting sounds good man yeah i, I do need to go find time to, to take a look at it but uh i've heard good things about it as well so i'm i'm, I'm pretty stoked now a movie that i'm, I'm not so stoked about uh the Star Wars Episode Nine trailer came out. Not stoked with a resounding, eh? <laughs> like just. Eh? We, we we've talked about this in depth before, but it it just feels like Abrams is on damage control, and he's like, "Well, shit, how do I do something with what was left after Episode Eight? And he's like, "We'll bring back Emperor Palpatine, and and he'll be the bad guy now, or something like that." It just. I, I'm so not excited about this movie. Like, you know, I'll go see it, but I wasn't stoked when the first trailer came out. I'm not stoked when this trailer came out. It's just kind of like, eh, yeah, I'll get around to it when it comes out, whenever that is. I don't even know when it comes out. Okay. Um, I assume it's around Christmas because it's it's a Star Wars movie. Um, 
but yeah, like it, it definitely seems like a attempt to, to kind of loop background because even, even the, uh, seventh movie was suggesting that they were launching, you know, you know, they were starting with the familiar, but kind of handing it off to the new generation of, of characters. Right. Yeah. And then this is very much okay. Let's 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 bring it back. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, and I think that's to some degree. I think it's an unfortunate. I actually I enjoyed eight as someone who's actually not a Star Wars fan, um, but I enjoyed the eighth movie, um, maybe a little bit because it made everybody else mad. But uh, we, we what, know that's a large part of it. I, I won't deny that is <laughs> a mindset of mine that happens sometimes. But, um, you know, I guess the bigger question is what, you know, Disney bought this with the intention of saying, hey, we're going to we're going to build out this great side universe and, and expand it beyond. And, you know, looking back on what they've done since they had it and Force Awakens looked really promising for them and they wanted this kind of seven through nine to really be the kind of flagship movies that, you know, guided their overarching, you know, spinoffs and side stories and everything. Um, so if they can't land nine, I mean, you know, Rogue One was really good. People didn't really like the um, uh, solo movie, although I thought it was, it was pretty good. Um, next you know, next month in, in really two weeks, probably less than by the time you hear this, um, they're launching uh, the Mandalorian series is is um, starting right at launch of uh, Disney Plus. So, you know, they, they've put invested a ton of money into launching this as a, a larger connected universe franchise. Um, and, and the flagship movies are not doing well. Yeah, I mean, like, with seven, I was like, okay, you know, I, I, it's obviously a rehash of, of four. And I was like, that's fine. You know, we're, we're, it's been a long time. They're trying to kind of like siphon people back into the magic and, you know, we'll, we'll go with something familiar and, and, and take it from there. Because of course everyone has the nostalgia and they're fine with, you know, this feels familiar, feels safe, cool. And, and like you said, it felt like they were kind of siphoning towards like, okay, we'll try something a little bit different. And then eight just was, all over the place. Like, it's not a bad movie. I just was frustrated watching it because it was just like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, I understand what's going on, but like, where are you trying to take this this story? Um, and so I was more frustrated than anything. And that, I think it's why when I look at Nine, I'm like, okay, so now you have to answer my question of where were you going with this? And I know the movie's going to be really long, but it's like, can you pull that off? in the time you have and make me feel satisfied with the end of this whole thing. Um, Cause one, one film is not usually enough time to land like a big, if you have to restructure the whole direction the story is going, trying to do it in one movie can be really tough. I think and that's, that's my biggest fear with this is like, I feel like he's going to do his best, but it's just kind of like you only can play the cards you have and that's that. So, you know, I'm, I'm really, iffy on it like I guess I'll go see it but I'm just not convinced that it will do what I think is necessary to really land the finish like you were saying yeah and and I mean that that bears the question too like are they gonna say eh, I know we said we we're gonna just do seven eight nine and that this was gonna be the end but you know 
I mean, there's no reason they have to stop. I mean, it's not like it has to be the end. You know, it would be it would be stupid for them to not continue with how much people, they paid for this. You know, people are so mad at them selling out and doing these three. But like the original plan was always to do nine movies. Like the 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 old George Lucas plan was was nine movies. If they go f- past that, it'd be really this could be people really ticked. I think okay, so I think continuing this direct story would be a mistake, but I think restarting in the same universe, but not necessarily directly tied to the events of one through nine would be a better place to go with it. Because they're not going to stop. You know, they're they're going to keep producing content. But I don't think it needs to be, you know, episode ten is all about Ray. Like you can go, this is what she did, and hell, you can do a huge time skip into the future, and it's you know the long term ramifications of what happened. But it's it's far enough that you you aren't linked to it anymore. Um, but they're, they're going to keep making movies. Like let's be honest, they're, they're not going to stop because this is way too much of an investment at this point to stop. I like if I wonder if there's like because I I think about other sci-fi franchises all the time. They're like, you know what? Set in the same universe, we're going to tell a different story with different people and just kind of use the 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 background, you know. And I don't know if Star Wars fans want that because uh, at least Star Wars has always stayed very close to the you know that core cast. Um, and people have complained about them going with a you know completely new cast or you know not giving enough time to the the original actors um so i you know i'm interested to see how that would go i think how the disney plus series goes is going to tell them a lot yeah well, that's that's absolutely fair oh i don't think i told you i uh i went to disneyland recently and went to star wars land which was uh you should yeah. how was star wars land star wars land was uh was good um, they only have one ride open right now, and they're they're planning on opening the second one, which I think is all they're planning in terms of rides. Um, that's, in that's a large January. land. That sounds like a large land where they have two rides. It's a lot of shops, like a lot of shops. Wait, um, wait, are you t- are you telling me that Disney is heavily focused on merchandising I know. their properties? Like, who would have guessed? Honestly, though, it it's actually it's pretty badass. Like. Um, so, so when you walk in there, you're, you're coming in through like Frontierland, which is like you know Frontier Wild West themed. You know, it's it's rocky, it's trees and stuff. And you go through a tunnel, which is actually has like the Disneyland train passing over it. But you go through the tunnel, and like the rocks on the side like slowly transition into like I would say spacey rocks. But it goes from like what you'd expect to see here into something that's more Star Wars like. And the lanterns start to slowly change to a more Star Wars themed lantern. So it's this very smooth transition. Um, and then it just kind of opens up and there's just this like, like literally it feels like a city in there, like a, like a port, um, spaceport. It's badass. Like my first moment, like I came up, my brother goes, holy shit. <laughs> and they got the attendant, there's laughs. He goes, we get that a lot. Um, it's very cool in terms of like, uh, immersion when you get there and it's just like, you look up and there's like literally spaceships sitting on top of buildings. You know, it's all facade, of course, but you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's like stacked. Like there's lots of stuff in there and in the distance they have these big, crazy, like modest peak shaped rocks and all this other stuff going on. Um, it's really, really cool. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's mostly shops, but I mean, it's kind of set up to be like the spaceport marketplace. So, I mean, it doesn't feel out of place necessarily. 
Um, and the level of immersion is like on point. Like, you know, like every single thing is is very Star Wars themed. It's not like you have like the outside facade and you go inside, it looks like a normal store. Like it's it's crazy the level of detail yeah. they have in there. I uh I mean, I've seen some some very similar stuff. So like um back in they closed it like ten years ago, but uh they used to have a big Star Trek thing in, in Vegas where they had I've seen that the, actually. Yeah, you've you've been there? Yes, and, it's very cool. Um, you know they had two rides and they had but you know you stepped into that part of the the hotel and you were you were like on on the promenade of deep space nine and they literally one of the things i i had heard about was that they actually had to get like special permission for the fact that like the emergency exit signs in that area used a font that would fit the universe instead of the the default exit sign mm-hmm. and, and you know it's still written in english but to, to use the different font was like a, you know, special permission that they had to get granted by the, by, you know, the building and uh, code enforcement people. Yeah, no, I mean, like if, and you're right, like that, that Star Trek experience was, was badass. And, and to Disney's credit, you know, they are still a masters of like, when you're in their park, you can't see anything else outside of where you are. Like they, they isolate you in that world and you really feel like you are a hundred percent in there. And just like, even how they do the music and like the line of sight, like once you're into that area, you cannot see out of that area. You can't even see the rest of the park, but you are in that star Wars area. Very, very well done. Um, we, uh, we went to the, the cantina, which was kind of cool. You had to get a, a reservation for it. It's of course like Disney expensive plus bar expensive on top of that. So like, you know, make sure you, you, you bring some cash. Um, but that was kind of cool. The only problem is that they, they clearly, it was like a schedule, like you have to be here at this time with a reservation. And there's like eight tables in there and everything else is standing. So they kind of want you to come in, get a drink and leave because it's packed and it's uncomfortable. Um, so we were in there for probably maybe like 20, 25 minutes, but it was, it was, it was pretty cool. You know, um, the bar is like crazy and it's got all kinds of things. It, it feels like a scene out of like, you know, most likely a canteen, like it's, it's badass. Um, now the ride, which was Smuggler's Run, was awesome. Like I want you to imagine like Star Tours, but on steroids. Um, like, cause Star Tours is not aged well, but this is like sweet. So you, you go in and the whole synapsis is that you're like gonna pilot this, this ship to smuggle stuff through, you know, or, or you don't like, like recapture cargo or something. I won't get into the story, but um, they hand you these cards and there's six people per per simulator and there's like two cl- there's like three classes that they give you cards for so there's like pilots um gunners and engineers and so you're sitting like you know in, in in three rows of two going back and so the people in the front are the pilots and like one person controls like the left and the right and one person controls the up and the down and then there's like the two gunners and then the engineers whenever the ship takes damage from like hitting something or being shot the engineers have to like turn the emergency alarms off and do repairs on the ship while you're flying. And so it's like a super interactive thing. It was freaking awesome. Like, like, this is like, like Star Tours, like, you know, you're in there, you're, you're bouncing around, it's it's twisting and turning, you're seeing the screen and stuff, that's cool. But this was like that, but like with a whole different level of inter- interactivity, really, really cool. Like, uh, we managed to get in on, like, I think we went on a Thursday, and the line wasn't too bad. We got in in, like, maybe half an hour, because there's no fast pass system for that one. We tried to go back on Friday, and it was, like, a two-and-a-half-hour wait all day long. So it's really hard to get into, but it's really, really cool. So if you do happen to be in Disneyland, it's it's worth the wait. Just, like, if you're going to go, you need to be, like, 
there before they open and make a mad dash for that ride because it's going to be a packed line the whole time. But uh, no, it was really awesome. Uh, I hope to go back, you know, this coming year, 2020, to see the other the other ride they're putting because that looks really cool too. And they say that like the ride time's like 15 minutes or something crazy like that. So um, not sure what that one's all about, but I'm I'm pretty intrigued. Oh, and, awesome. and one more. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no! It's, what what else? Uh, one one more nerdy thing that I, I have to talk about. Um, and I'm not like a like a huge Star Wars fan. Like, you know, I, I enjoy it. I think it's fun. I'm, I'm more into Star Wars than I probably would be into Star Trek. But um, my brother is like a complete nerd about it, right? And they have this thing where you can go and for like an obscene price. Like, I won't even say how it is. I'm, I'm it's disgusting. But you can go in and build your own lightsaber. But this isn't like the you know, snap together a bunch of plastic pieces and stuff. Like it's, it's like a cast metal lightsaber. Like it's got some heft to it. Um, that's pr- I, that's pretty cool. I've, like any of that, like custom stuff where you can kind of pick your parts and stuff like that. That's yeah, neat. yeah. And and I I thought that it was gonna be like a, you just go in, you put it together, and you get it. No, there's like a whole experience that goes with it. And I will not spoil it because it's 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 actually badass like when he told me he's like yeah i bought this as like a birthday late birthday gift for you so let's go do it i was like okay it sounds pretty cool and by the end i was like gig- like giggling like a little like a little kid i was like this is so awesome so um i have this really badass metal neon lightsaber thing um like I said, it's way too expensive but the experience that they tie to it is actually really really well done and very surprisingly well done so you know if you've got some extra cash to burn you're a big huge star wars fan that's actually worth it i think um despite the price tag being kind of like holy shit um it was really really cool experience so i was i was happy to do that so that that was also really cool there but yeah star wars land is is badass um i I wish there was more attractions there just because i mean another kind of cramp for space but having the one ride and like it's the primary focus of all the crowds like it's really hard to get on the stuff but uh you know as time passes it'll probably calm down but uh for right now it was it was kind of rough it also didn't help that it was like um there's like a like a a pride festival or something there's like like gay days at the park that day so there's like a sea of people in red shirts um so that that wasn't helping the crowds at all, but uh, no, it was it was a good experience. So I, I would suggest checking it out if you're in the area sometime. All right, cool. So, uh, so Pokey. Yes. Let's talk politics. <sighs> Should I get my my gas mask out? Yeah, um, I, I don't know if you can find one. I'm probably we're we're going to be everywhere. censored by the Chinese government now. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. If we get banned in China, um, we will have zero less. Listeners, <laughs> I'd, I'd be like, "Holy shit!" Someone in China listens to the show. <laughs> I seriously, if you are listening to the show and you are in China, send us a message. We'll be we'll be shocked, and then we'll try. <laughs> then we will try harder in the future not to get banned in China. Um, so uh, we're not going to go too in detail about it, but um, you know the the whole deal is that there there have been a large number of protests in. Uh, Hong Kong over policies that were enacted that are seen as um, moving towards appeasing the communist mainland China, etc., eroding freedoms. Um, and there have been cases where recently where U.S. companies that have said something negative about China or supportive of Hong Kong protesters uh, have found themselves banned from 
being seen or watched in China. The NBA was the big example that, uh, what was it? Someone, a manager of a team or? Um, yeah, I think it was a manager or something. Or something. Manager. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so basically what happened was uh, at the end of a Hearthstone like championship match, um, the winner basically said, you know, go I, I forget the exact line. It, it supportive of the protesters in Hong Kong called it the revolution of our age, etc. And um, Blizzard responded by saying that they would uh, confiscate the the winnings. They would not award the prize winnings, and that the uh, person was banned uh, for a year, and also firing both of the um, uh, kind of sportscasters that were uh, there as well from being part of the whole blizzard championship game process um to which everybody and, and this wasn't like prompted by actions by china this was like proactively they decided to just really go after one of their players um and uh this this blew up like this went from you know a bunch of gamers talking about boycotting it to um literally like a number of Congress people making strongly worded comments about Blizzard's actions um, here. And then they've, you know, and Blizzard has turned around and said, you know, what, we will give the prize money and we're going to shorten the bans, but we still, you know, don't, don't want people playing politics in our, you know, don't use it. Don't, don't want people using the tournaments to, you know, express political opinions, um, which has been viewed in itself as kind of an expression of a political opinion. It's been one of these topics that's come up that it's hard to, it's hard to stay neutral in this sort of arena when one side of it's saying, you can't say anything negative about this at all. And, and, you know, we're going to, we're going to crack down on you if, if anyone talks about it. Um, and China's one of the biggest markets for, you know, especially for gaming um, I, I think, uh, like, I think riots so far avoided getting themselves in trouble yet, but they've basically said, look, we don't want anyone expressing political views of any kind in any of our events, period. Um, but yeah, the, the, the blizzard thing has just kind of gone off the rails and really not a, it's, it's not a good way to wrap up 2019 for blizzard. Uh, well, I, I thought they'd been doing great this year. Nothing bad happened. He, he, I'm sorry, yeah. everything bad happened. They, yeah. they actually ruined everything. It's been a really rough year for Blizzard, and um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know if you know this here, but but BlizzCon's in November, which yep. is which is their big, wonderful. Everybody gathers, uh, all the fans gather, talk to the devs in person. You know, video streams everywhere. They usually have tons of tournament games going on for all their different properties. And and now um, there's there's obviously this topic out there. And sure enough, there is actually an organized group that um, is planning to protest uh, at BlizzCon. Um, I, you know, they've actually so Blizzard actually canceled like one of their uh, anniversary celebrations that was um, uh planned or for for this past month um i think they shut down the the blizzard subreddit um 
they also you canceled know. the um they were gonna have a big event for the release of overwatch on switch at the nintendo store in new york and they canceled that due to fears of protest uh, yeah yeah they did cancel that one too and so they've they've really just like tried to hide but you know blizzcon's a big like a big part of their, their <laughs> overall strategy sells out every year you know it's a massive ticket sales and it's where they announce all of their games they cannot skip blizzcon so um this could be really interesting to see what happens there and i i would not doubt that they've basically called every security company in town and said send everyone we'll pay whatever it costs um so it it could get really odd um did you did you see that they uh moved to you if you wanted for the q a session you have to submit your question ahead of time and then they select the ones they want to answer I did see that. Instead of having now, you go up to the mic. <laughs> now, they're claiming, and I, I, it makes sense to me given how, you know, corporate Blizzard is, but they are claiming that they have always required the questions be submitted beforehand and that they just kind of make it look like, you know, they have their, you know, the people who've already had their questions pre-submitted come up to the mic. That's what they say. They say it, it is, it always, they, they claim it has always been done that way. But they have no guarantee that person's going to actually stick to the questions. I mean, when they because it was um, the whole like, you know, uh, Diablo Immortal thing, like the whole is this April Fool's joke? Was that was that BlizzCon last year? I forget what time that was. Uh, I believe it was. Yeah. And so <laughs> and it's not going to happen. Sure enough. And the, and that's the thing is they they do have um, the Q&A is being uh, emceed, I guess, by the um, uh, some well-known podcasters um in the in the wow space and presumably there and it, it does say they're still planning to walk a mic around to you know the people asking questions stuff like that so presumably they're going to be asking those specific people with pre-approved questions but i can't imagine that they don't that there aren't people submitting questions now with the plan of if i get selected i'm not going to ask that yeah, question absolutely. while the mic's in front of my face um so yeah that they it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting event um i I, like so i usually get the the virtual ticket for blizzcon um mostly because you get like exclusive you know loot items for for all other games um i usually don't get around to watching the stream i will probably watch some of the q a streams because it's probably gonna be amazing it's gonna Um, be a mess (laughs) i don't watch blizzcon at all and i'm gonna watch that (laughs) So, yeah, and there are some some big things that they're planning. Um, at least leaks have said Diablo Four should be announced this year, um, which obviously was the the big explosion was that it wasn't announced last year. Um, and then uh, there were some leaks I was kind of tracking, and then I guess now images for said kind of corroborating said leaks have now been found in the blizzard gear stores directories so you know they're not explicit yet but they're they're pretty darn close um they're expecting an overwatch 2 announcement so there has been like a leak like this is how the logo looks this is what they're doing it's going to be um you're supposed to have like a pve mode one of the characters that was seen in one of the the shorts is going to be a playable character stuff like that and one of the blizzard gear store items that was found on their server the file name includes ow2 in the file name 
Um, and then they're also expected to announce the next World of Warcraft expansion, which may involve uh, the Lich King again, which would be their attempt to, you know, kind of move the story back towards one of the more um, well-celebrated expansions in WoW's history. So the whole Overwatch 2 thing, I suspect it's going to be the same gameplay as Overwatch 1, just with this PvE added to it. Is, is that kind of what the, the read is? I, that's my guess. I'm very, like, I, I am very curious about it because, you know, the thing that Overwatch does well that I like is it's it's that game as a service where it's just they just add new content you don't it's not like a dlc model they just make the game better you know they just say hey we added new heroes we added new maps and they don't remove stuff it's not like like the thing that always ticked me off with say call of duty is you next year you'd get a new call of duty and all your favorite maps would be gone except maybe the one or two that they decided to remaster for fun you know overwatch just gets bigger and more expansive so for them to say well now that was Overwatch 1, this is Overwatch 2. Um, I'm a little nervous about what that's going to entail. I mean, my hope is that it's kind of like a, um, you know, that they call it Overwatch 2, but if you had Overwatch 1, you keep playing with Overwatch 1's, like maybe you still get the, the feature set of Overwatch 1 and Overwatch 2, and they just kind of evolve the game forward. And then they add, maybe maybe purchasing Overwatch 2 is purchasing that PvE component that's rumor to be added kind of like how Fortnite, you, you know you you can play battle royale for free and save the world is is a paid edition right well i think it's um, free now but yeah i, I get you saying like to, to kind of but to, yeah treat it like to you know an evolution of the game that does have a new you know a paid paid upgrade to add these features but still keeps everyone playing in the same um same pve environment and still getting the same maps and heroes and because i mean like if you're if it's like if they make it two separate games what happens to all your your um you know loot box stuff right people people have spent you know in some cases hundreds of dollars on loot boxes if there's different loot and and it's not translatable people are gonna riot you know yeah i mean i mean my first thought was like what you were saying like why don't you just make the pve component of it a dlc but you know thinking about it if Overwatch 2 comes out, everyone's going to want to play on the newest version of the game. So they're going to buy it. And because it's a multiplayer game, everyone's going to feel like they need to buy it to play with everyone else who's buying it. And the problem is it kills the the market for the original game, like right. the, the, the matchmaking pool and everything. And that's why I kind of think the right way to do it is to just kind of go, yeah, we're, we're upgrading it to Overwatch 2. And if you had overwatch one you get all of the features that overwatch one had i mean i think maintaining all of your skins and cosmetics and all the loot box stuff and it having that transfer that's that's pretty reasonable but i i almost get the vibe that they're trying to in a, in a sense force people to rebuy the game by saying well it's overwatch 2 but we added pve so it feels like it's worth it but it's still you're still rebuying the whole thing with the pve I mean, the game is over three years old now, I think. So, I mean, it's it's, it's getting old in terms of, like, a financial loop of, of game development. I mean, look at, like, what Destiny did. They, they wanted, like, a new game every three years. New game, new game. I mean, that was the same company, right? Um, so I, I don't 
know if I agree with you that they'll just kind of give you a free upgrade. I think you'll probably have to rebuy the whole thing, but you'll get to keep all your stuff, which is good, I guess. Because um, there's kind of no reason not to. I think people would probably be pretty pissed off if they did take that I away. Mean, but yeah. I mean, the reason to do it potentially the other way would be if they're like, I, I'm almost like if you had it like that free to play model for the multiplayer. So they just say, hey, we're rolling it forward. But yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see what they do. Um, there there yeah. the the leak has not covered that. The leak has covered, you know, it some, char- some characters, some art, the logo, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, we, we'll see. Um, hey, Pokey. Yeah. Do, do, <laughs> speaking of, uh, you looking at the next one, aren't you? <laughs> speaking of DLC and and game development funding cycles. So remember, remember, when, when, remember, remember Fallout 76? Yeah, I remember when Bethesda said, hey guys, we're going to have this cash shop, but don't worry, it's cosmetic only. And uh, there'll be no, no pay to win stuff, and there's no gameplay affecting stuff, and we got you. It's good microtransactions, it's just cosmetics. Remember, remember when they said that? Honestly, I didn't think anyone played the game, so I didn't uh, know I don't, how many people... I don't people think anyone does, but... Because okay. um, like, that's, that's, a, that's a hot mess. And then, and then they started adding stuff to the cash shop that was, uh, you know, boosters, things that would make your character better or, you know, repair stuff that was you know, pr- pretty beneficial. So, I mean, it was, it was, you know, pay to win can be an extreme term, but it was definitely a pay money and have a advantage in the gameplay. People weren't too happy about that. They were, they were actually pretty pissed about that. And so Bethesda came out and said, you know what, guys, listen. You know what we love more than video games? We love money. And if we don't have enough money, we don't have enough love. And we need more love in our game. So we need more money from you. And we know our game's broken. We know the shit doesn't work at all. But we want to keep delivering the highest quality content we can to you. We want it to be polished. We want it to be the best thing you've ever played. So we're going to need you to pay $100 a year to get some extra little trinkets in Fallout 76. Because that game is of the highest quality. And sure, it may cause gameplay affecting changes. That's going to give you a definite advantage if you uh, happen to purchase this thing. But hey, we need money if we want to deliver the best experience to you. So we're going to go completely back on what we said before and sell shit so you can feel better about yourself in our shitty game. That would never happen, right? Yeah, so... (laughs) It totally happens. (laughs) Like... What strikes me here is, I want to say, like, you know, usually like your collector's edition stuff, your fancy collectibles, they all sell out right away. I was thinking about how months later, Best Buy was trying to sell Fallout 76, like, collector's editions, and, and like, the fancy hardcover strategy guides, and all the, the they could not give this stuff away. Is It's in piles on shelves. Bargain bins at Walmart. Literally, I've seen it. <laughs> Right, so I'm like, first of all, they can't even get people to pay full price for this game in the first place. And now, they they they, they actually think people are going to pay more? See, the regularly? thing is, you only need to uh, get the whales to pay, because the whales pay a lot. This is very obviously, like, we've got some people that are so obsessed with this game, so dedicated, for whatever reason, that they're still playing it. And we can probably squeeze them for an extra hundred bucks a year. We could probably do it. And so they're going to do it. And it's, it's probably going to work because people will 
you know, there, there are the Denny's of the world who spent a lot of money on a shitty little PS3 game by CCP Games. A lot of money. <laughs> and whales are a big backbone of, of free-to-play games. And to be fair, this isn't even a free-to-play game. You still have to buy it. I mean, they'll practically give it to you for free, but you still have to buy this game. Um, and then there's a optional subscription model that gives you gameplay-affecting benefits. And people will pay for it. You know they will. You know they will. I just... Mm, it, just... It, but you know what the best part about this is? And I don't know if you heard about this, but so, so some of the, the advantages are that one of the big perks is, hey, you get private servers, which, by the way, is something that they promised to deliver, like, when the game launched, um, or soon after the game launched, as, like, part of the part of the actual game. Uh, but now they're selling it. If you want to get the private servers, you have to, you have to buy this, this subscription. And, the, you know, the magic of this is, generally, you pay a recurring cost to support, you know, them hosting servers. Yep. It's backwards. They're saying, look, if you want to just run it yourself on your own machine, pay us money monthly. What? Well, this here's, is here's the thing. So, <laughs> like, I like the thing is, they're going to try to milk like a thousand dollars out of Fallout seventy six because that's hopefully all they'll make on this. But the sheer audacity of trying this is like as much damage was done to their brand for releasing Fallout seventy six in the first place who's gonna buy their games after this this is a dark place to go i'm i'm sure as hell not gonna touch their shit are you kidding me like i can understand hey we rushed the game and it's shit because they clearly did that's one thing but when you're like but we're not gonna actually make it better but we're here's here's what we'll do we'll make it better and add what we said we would but we're gonna charge you more for it which is like the industry standard i know but like that's like usually a like a DLC. More. This is like a lot more, like thirteen dollars a month more, or a hundred bucks a year more. Like Jesus Christ, <laughs> for for basic features. And the thing is, they added those features, and they don't even work. The private servers aren't really private because people are finding that like stuff has like been looted already. So like other people have been in the world, and like mm. the, in like the crafting box. Like cause remember the whole thing was when the game came out, they're like, there's not enough stash space to store all the shit you have to pick up. So you're constantly fighting against the stash base. Like, okay, we'll, we'll we'll work on it. We'll fix it. And then they went, hey, we fixed it. It's part of this subscription for Fallout First. Put your stuff in this box. You can store all of your crafting stuff. It's unlimited. Except that people are finding when they put their stuff in there, it gets deleted instead. So the private worlds aren't private. And the uh, crafting box deletes all the, your the, shit. The unlimited box isn't unlimited. It's, it's bottomless because when you put something in it, it falls forever into the abyss. <laughs> That's wonderful. Okay. <laughs> and, and and remember, they're charging this so they can deliver higher quality content. Except that what you get for paying for it isn't high quality content because the shit doesn't work in the first place. It's it's magical. Bethesda has gone like I, I think they've spent so many years re-releasing Skyrim they forgot how to actually run a business. Like, or make a game. Can can we officially declare this is worse than EA? Uh, this is this is pretty damn scummy like ea like kind of has just the same tricks they keep using but this is like something else like i'm i'm actually impressed and i can't wait for like e3 when todd howard has to get up on stage because that's going to be because uh, gonna people, be a slaughterhouse. people will possibly actually throw tomatoes at him Pro probably they'll probably throw things at it's just like 
<laughs> between this and like Blizzard, I'm like, what the hell is happening to the gaming industry these days? Like, I don't want to sound like that guy, but I'm like, what in the actual shit are you doing? Like, it's it's like they're thinking like, okay, we're we're, we're going to get regulated into oblivion if we keep going. So let's just hammer it as hard as we possibly can until that happens and make as much money and then bounce out of the industry. Like, that's honestly what it feels like. Well, and I think, you know, it's, you know, there is a, there is a degree of turnover in, in the game industry. And I think uh, you might be seeing the, you know, you had all these companies that, that turned into, due to original game success, they turned into these large investor directed companies and very traditional corporations um but then you'll have new new indie developers you know moving in to take their place over time so that's what it is yep i mean look at uh the outer worlds which just came out this week i think news last week it did uh, by it did just uh, come out, so by obsidian who made uh the, the first fallout game was made by obsidian before they were, it was purchased by bethesda and obsidian made fallout new vegas which is the best fallout fight me that you probably will agree um and then uh, Bethesda's like, well, that that's probably not going to happen again because they're probably butthurt that Obsidian does it better than they do. And they released The Outer Worlds, which is basically like a Fallout-style game. Um, not quite as, as gigantic, but definitely running better. And, uh, you know, it, it's getting glowing reviews. People love it. I know there's a lot of a lot of hate because it was Epic Game Store, Epic Game Store exclusive on PC. But, you know, for those playing it and reviewing it, it's a good quality game. And, uh, yeah, it's doing great. And the real irony of that is that um, included in this Fallout 76 or Fallout first package is the Ranger outfit, which is like an iconic suit of armor from Fallout New Vegas, which was not made by Bethesda, is made by Obsidian. And this comes out like on the same week the Outer Worlds comes out. And they're like, so Bethesda, this is how you actually make a Fallout game. We're not calling it Fallout, but it basically is. Um, and, uh, yeah, have fun with your, your suit, you know, like you can have it. That's our gift to you, but, uh, we're going to go over here and actually make a good game and, uh, you guys have fun with that. So no, good, good on, good on, on, um, Obsidian, like seriously, Fallout New Vegas is a, is an absolute treat. Um, and I, it's a shame they couldn't make more Fallout games because they, uh, they're really good at it, but uh, I've been meaning to pick up, uh, Outer Worlds and give that a shot because I, I do want to support that stuff. It's good. Well, if Bethesda keeps going the way it is, um, they might be able to pick up the Fallout license for cheap. <laughs> or, or, or just, you know, basically make the exact same thing and just, you know, skirt copyright by the skin of their teeth and, and just change the names on everything. But we'll all know that's what it is. So, yeah, the gaming industry is going down in a, in a, in a blazing glory. But I have, uh, yeah. I have one more failure to yes. talk about. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll let's all talk about one more. So uh, this is a game that I was... Uh, I haven't actually played it. I do own it, but I haven't played it, which is, you know, traditional for everything in Steam. Um, but there was an early access title that uh, was announced like three years ago uh, called uh, Hellion, which was a kind of sci-fi space survival title um, that felt very, felt a little bit Star Citizen in terms of the number of things that they wanted you to be able to manage and control and build and and the scale of it. And uh, it was on Steam Early Access. And uh, they have uh, kind of graduated from Early Access, but not really. Um, basically, they said they uh, had a rocky launch. They didn't do as well as they could have, trying to get everything cleaned up and 
you know, finished and they didn't achieve what they wanted to, uh, but they are out of money, not developing it anymore, and um, so they're no longer calling it early access. So they are selling it for half price going forward, um, so the people can still get it if they want to play it. Um, but since it's not finished, they don't want to, you know, charge full price. Um, and uh, honestly, the most interesting thing to me on this this story is, um, you know, it, it is a, obviously it requires servers to play, and that's and so continuing to sell it's how they are going to, you know, they they are continuing to keep the servers up and they're hoping that you know people pay you know 15 bucks to keep buying copies of it and and hence that they can um you know keep it running um but the weirdest part was what they're doing with the servers because the company is dead and can't afford to you know operate is they specifically said they handed the server control of the servers over to the discord moderators for the community Oh, good God. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. <laughs> and and my immediate thought was, why couldn't we have just given the Dust 514 servers to Ripley? Oh, dear. <laughs> Zell and his quest, his, his, his feud with Ripley. Um, I, I'm sure that the fans of Dust would absolutely love having control of the servers because we probably would have kept updating shit if we had access to it. So that was just a really interesting, interesting way to go. Is there like, yeah, community moderators obviously care about this more than we do. So uh, here you go. <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to do, right? Like, it's like we don't want to leave everyone hanging and get nothing out of their investment. Like, it's shitty, but it's like, you know, we, we don't have the resource to continue to do this. But if you're passionate about it, then have at it. You know, I mean, there's there's lots of games that have kind of like you know, died because the, the the company that owns it went out of business, but like the file still exists. The communities have picked it up and, you know, maintained or updated it or, or played around with it. So I think it's not necessarily a new thing, but uh, it's certainly not as common, I think, in these days with, with server-based stuff, usually. It's more right. like the single-player games. You, usually when a, a server-based game goes out, it just, it's off. It's done. Um, I mean, the, the only thing I'd like to see more of, I think I think it's really licensing that makes it difficult because you know when you're making a game you end up using x number of engines and libraries and and tools and art third-party artwork that you pay for and all that comes with various licensing but what i would love to see is you know they created this framework for this space survival game that has all these features and everything i i really wish there were more games that when they failed to succeed as a business that they just open sourced it so that people could literally just like download it start hacking on it and building out you know more features to it and stuff like that um and yeah i I think it's really it's licensing that kills it because in every other way they basically you know they said look we're going to continue to sell it just so that you know pay the server bills but that's it we're done we're not making any money on this anymore you know we're handing off control of operating it to you know to discord people um you know the, this feels like it's almost like a prime candidate for someone to just say, and here's the code, feel free to play with it. But, uh, you know, licensing makes that hard. Yeah, that's that's wild. You know, it's always a shame to see, you know, projects like, projects like this, you know, die because it's the developers are kind of losing their work and the people who invested in it are kind of losing their, their hopes for it to happen. It's just, it's rough. But, uh, I mean, I guess it's better to limp along rather than just die out entirely. So, I mean, I guess it's a good thing. But, yeah. So, I think, uh, 
I think that's probably good for, for the show. What do you think, so? Yeah, I think we're pretty good. Okay, well, let's do shout-outs real quick then. Uh, so my shout-out's going to actually go to my six-year-old son. He discovered Pokemon all on his own um, and has become absolutely obsessed with it and was explaining to me the other day uh, what type of Pokemon he needed to carry with him and which ones to, like, which element to use to battle certain types of Pokemon because he's watched the show and apparently studied up and he's actually right on almost all of it. So uh, reliving my childhood a little bit as he's... Uh, running around with his stuffed Pikachu, you know, Pika peeking all over the place and explaining to me how, you know, it all works because I'm just, you know, dad doesn't know anything, right? But uh, he's, he's, he's letting me know how to, how to train Pokemon. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, and he's going to be going as Pikachu for Halloween. So that'll be exciting. All right, Zell, you're up. Um, I just want to express my utter loathing for Google, the company, and that they've made me angry today. They've made me deeply angry today. And and for the record, my girlfriend is laughing and I'm 100% sure it's because she was paying attention. (laughs) Um, So apparently it's been, I I love my Fitbit. I've I've worn my Fitbit for like two or three years daily. Like I I sleep with this thing and and Google has, is apparently rumored to be trying to buy out the company because, you know, they can't successfully produce hardware of their own. So, you know, why not buy out and kill another company? So, yeah, they make me angry. Just thought you should know. Because they'll, they'll know now. If you wear the device, they'll just biohack you and, and that'll be it. It'll be all over. It, it doesn't actually. So it doesn't actually have my location. I, I, one of the reasons I like like it is one it works with windows phone um but two it doesn't actually do any location tracking at all um but i will have to get rid of it if uh, if they do buy it so <laughs> i actually um I, I i've owned two fitbits in the past they both just kind of fallen apart on me like i wasn't too impressed with um but were you like, buying like cheap fitbits or or, or like high no it was it was like the mid to high tier one like i didn't get like the super expensive i mean this is back back in the day when i was buying them but it was still like mid to high tier you know it wasn't like the, the screen one where it was the fancy you know iphone style i watch style but um yeah, because I mean, I have a I have a Ionic, which is their first like, quote unquote, full smartwatch, mm-hmm. um, and then it, they followed it up with the Versa, which is supposedly a lower end, cheaper model, but it's actually superior in every way. Gotcha. Um, but you know, if you have if you have one of those, they're, they they've held up pretty well. Um, my Ionic's done done pretty well, but I mean, I think uh, one of the things you get, you know you do kind of get what you pay for on fitbit is you know you can get a fitness tracker thingy for like 40 bucks and you know depending what you pay for it you're it's going to last a while compared to you know your apple watch which you know at, at its 400 dollars price tag should hopefully last a lot longer yeah i actually ended up settling on a, on a garmin brand and that one's actually held up really well because it's it's more of like a, a tougher plastic instead of kind of the soft uh stuff that the fitbit has so that that's worked well for me so I can uh, pass the model number on to you if you uh, are looking for a non-Google alternative in the near future. All right, guys, I think we are good to go then. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And, uh, you know, again, like we took a bit of a hiatus, but like I said, life uh, sometimes gets in the way and you have to, you know, take care of stuff. So that being said, we will see you next week, hopefully. And uh, be safe out there. Have a good night.